So I'm taking a break from Colossians again today, and I'm actually going to be doing a topical sermon regarding Romans 14. And I'll begin by saying this. Many churchmen across the nation are using Romans 14 to silence the people in their congregations, to shame the people in their congregations, not to speak about all the evil being done through the pandemic. So I want to address this matter because it's a total misapplication of Romans 14. Why don't we stand and open up to Romans 14 for the reading of God's word. The passage reads, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him who eats despise, let him, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. For you, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. title of my sermon this morning is Romans 14 and the Evil of Men. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we do have in your word that we do have to address this matter, this pernicious matter, which has been destructive to so many who love you and want to truly serve you faithfully, this misuse of Romans 14. We've seen the misuse of Romans 13. Here we see the misuse of Romans 14. So the churchmen can aid and abet tyrants, so evil can continue in the land rather than your people faithfully standing against the evil and interposition of it for your name's sake and for the sake of their neighbor. Lord, we just ask and pray that you help me to set forth that which you've given me to declare and that you're glorified through it and that because of our time here today, we would all be forever different, that you would equip each one to do the work of the ministry, that you might be glorified in the earth. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To be seated. The passage here is about how to treat weaker brothers and how we are not to judge one another. That's what the passage is about. The issues at hand have nothing to do with the evil unleashed in America and across the world to tyrannize every nation and every person on the planet. The issues here in Romans 14 have nothing to do with what they're applying it to. It has nothing to do with how such evil 
must be confronted. We're talking about vegetables versus meat. We're talking about one guy who thinks this day's special and another guy thinks it's not. These issues are no big deals. They are rather secondary and tertiary issues or less. They are certainly not issues dealing with evil. They are petty issues, but nevertheless, being petty issues, any seasoned churchman or Christian knows they can cause trouble in church. And that is what Paul is addressing here. To apply it to masking and so-called vaccinating in our day is utter nonsense and absurdity. There is absolutely no application of Romans 14 to the situation at hand with masking and so-called vaccinate. The whole matter of the pandemic is evil at a grand scale, not some petty Romans 14 situation that can lead to division and discord within the body. The tyrants understand that a virus is the perfect narrative to impose a tyranny, and that is what they have been doing for nearly two years now. So understand, we're not simply quibbling over whether someone should wear a mask or not. We're not quibbling merely over whether it is okay to get a so-called vaccine or not. This is not two people simply disagreeing about wearing masks or getting vaccines. That's not the situation. That is how the churchmen want you to view it. But that is to deny all that is attached to the mask wearing and the shock getting. And that's what the churchmen want you to do. To not look at all that is attached to the mask wearing and the shock getting. And what is tied to the mask wearing and shock getting? Evil. The evil of men. Hence my title, Romans 14, and the evil of men. My wife had a short list written on an article that I read yesterday where one of these churchmen who were misusing Romans 14 to shame the Christians into submission to tyrants She wrote notes, rebutting it. There are many boxes filled with my wife's notes that one day will be unleashed on the planet. And there are some serious gems in there. She was writing in response to the churchman in her own way on the paper which had his article. And she responded with, look at the evil, something he never mentions in there. All he talks about is whether we should, is masking a sin? Is getting the shot a sin? And I'm going to address that. And she responds with, what about the evil? They closed churches down. They closed businesses down, forbidding men to work. They told men, grown men, that they have to wear masks and social distance and behave like Jojo the circus monkey, like any of it has anything to do with legitimate science. 
They said you can't travel unless you're vaccinated, tested, or masked. They did lockdowns. They have gained the compliance of many governments and businesses and churches by showering them with money. This whole thing is tied to money. I learned a long time ago, it was a hard thing to learn, that 85% of the men on the planet, the number one thing that motivates them is money. That's why I call the state house over here in Madison the whorehouse. It's all motivated by money. So this is what my wife writes down. Her last thing was, they use an experimental shot on people which has amounted to the most massive VAERS numbers ever seen. And yet the churchmen are going to pretend all we're talking about is two people disagreeing about whether they should wear a mask or get a shot. Like you shouldn't pay any attention to everything that's attached to the mask wearing and the shot getting. You know how evil that is? That's evil in itself. And it should disgust all true churchmen, and it should disgust all true Christians. And they want to cry about the lack of love and the division that's taken place. That's what they focus on. The people have left your churches because they've seen you to be the whores that you are. That's why they've left your churches. You've aided and abetted all this evil, and you've gone along with it, churchmen. That's why they've left And yet you want to browbeat them and shame them for standing against the evil, for bringing discord to your bodies. Why don't you act like true men of God and take leadership, servant leadership, and show men what needs to be done, how to address evil, how to confront tyrants. And there's so much more evil than beyond what Clara wrote about. What about the children? I talked about that in my last sermon where I took a break and dealt with this matter, the evil done to children. I detailed that in that last sermon, a fireside chat on our present tyranny. It is so wicked. And what about the evil done to the elderly who've died alone, who can't get the need of family and friends around them, or denied those Visits. People are being fired right now by the thousands. They're being walked out like criminals from businesses they served for decades. And that's all the churchmen can talk about is how their precious little place where they do their moose club meeting called church seems to be lacking love and has division. It's disturbing, it's heartbreaking. This is evil. It's an attack on God's created order for man regarding work. Just this last week, the House is pushing to form a national registry of the vaxxed and unvaxxed. Do you see the evil? Remember we spoke out here at Mercy Seat a week and a half into this, saying this is an evil that will be built plank by plank. You must stop it now. And everyone thought we were nuts. And here it is almost two years later, and still they quibble and sit in silence and aid and abet the tyrants to keep completing each plank of their tyranny. Have you read history? Have you read scripture? This is a great evil, and it must be addressed. There was an article this past week about New Zealand one of the most oppressed and furthest along in this tyranny of all countries. 
And here's what the article said, quote, The article is about how New Zealand's getting ready to reopen after all this time. They've actually been holding people down, putting needles into their arms in New Zealand. They've actually hunted Christians down in New Zealand who refused to get the shot. Hunt them down. And these churchmen are quibbling about their phony love and division. Evil. Here's what the article said. It is also signaled... It also signaled this reopening, a new phase in New Zealand's response to the pandemic in which people around the country will need to be fully vaccinated in order to participate in anything from getting a haircut to watching a concert. And the churchmen are sitting over there, quibbling about division and so-called love. Not biblical love, and I'll address that too. This is what the elitist tyrants want throughout the world, what we see in New Zealand. This is why Americans better be fighting or else be ready for 80 years of Soviet-style enslavement. And I could go on and on about Austria, Australia, Canada, South Africa, Uganda, France, and all the evil imposed on so many all around the world. People have gathered in all these countries by the tens of thousands, by the hundreds of thousands, fighting for their very lives. Well, our churchmen here want to say, oh, it's just a disagreement about two people, one wanting to wear a mask and one not. One saying it's okay to get a vaccine, the other saying not. They are aiding and abetting evil, and if that doesn't move you in your heart to speak out, I don't know what will. If it doesn't cause disdain within you, when you see the church failing again, And you can follow so many times in history where tyranny comes on the land and it fails. And only a small handful of Christians stand. You know why we remember Corrie Ten Boom? Here's why we remember Corrie Ten Boom. Because she was one of the few Christians who did the right thing. That's why we remember Corrie Ten Boom. Almost all of them went along to get along. And I'll be addressing that more as I continue on. People have gathered by the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands in these nations fighting for these lives, and these churchmen in our nation want to shame those who promote dissent to the imposed tyranny and silence them all. They're actually aiding and abetting the tyrants. And then there are the mandates to get the shot. They tried to get the people to do it through the carrot, so now they are using coercion. There is the 100 or more employee so-called mandate. It is not a mandate. I am speaking about the so-called 100 or more employee mandate. There is no mandate for that. But there are actually thousands of mandates across the country already by government, and there are tens of thousands of mandates by corporations and businesses That is because, just like in the times of the prophets, the businessmen and the government officials are in cahoots to oppress the people. And such action has been seen down through history. And now they are making the mandates into actual laws. 
In Nevada this past week, they passed a law to make unvaxxed state workers pay more for their insurance. They have to pay $55 more a month for their insurance than the vaxxed state workers. They say they have to pay it because they have to pay for their own testing since they won't get vaccinated. In other words, they have to pay for their own oppression. I would never get tested to begin with, period, ever. And they want them to pay $55 a month. You're treated differently. The businesses are doing it. Governments are doing it. And here are the churchmen quibbling in the corner. God is judging this whore-like Christianity that has been in this nation for decades now. He is judging it. And he's going to utterly bring it down. And that is a goodness. Robin Voss, our Republican Speaker Assembly here, is in the process of killing any attempt at a bill to find companies who fire people for not getting the shot here. All this evil, and the churchmen want us to view it as a mere disagreement. This is evil at a grand scale, not some petty Romans 14 situation. This isn't about two people sitting around talking about whether it's okay or not to wear masks privately. It isn't about two people privately disagreeing about whether or not they should get vaccinated. This is about evil. All this evil and far more, and yet these churchmen want to make the issue, there isn't love. There's division. Truth always divides. Talking about love and division in the face of evil, oppression, and wickedness. The prophets confronted the evil. Jesus himself confronted evil. The history of Christianity and the church has been the confrontation of evil. And yet our current churchmen want us all concerned with division and so-called love and shame all the Christians with their false love while they are aiding and abetting the tyranny of evil men. All the bogus Romans 14 and false love writings I have read chastise only one side to their so-called division. They only chastise those who oppose the pandemic oppression by evil men. Blubbering about love and division in the face of sin and massive evil reminds me of what I heard a scholar once say about when the Muslims were marching across the Christian lands killing and maiming and enslaving during the 7th century. The scholar pointed out that the churchmen had as their highest priority at that time, what color were the eyes of the Madonna? That is what we have in this day. Churchmen sitting around blubbering about division and false love while grand, massive evil is in the land. Our present-day churchmen, whores that they are, cry about love and the division. People left because they finally saw their pastors and elders for the whores that they are. That is why they left. They see the failure of the churchmen. I even read a well-known evangelical leader with a national pull recently assert Francis Schaeffer in his book, The Mark of a Christian, which is love, 
to justify his false love and Romans 14 nonsense. My wife and I took great umbrage to this. Why? Because both her and I are both students of Schaefer. We've read nearly all of his works, many, many of his works. My wife was bothered by that for four days, that article. We know that Schaefer would not be pointing to Romans 14 regarding this matter. He would be on the rooftop shouting the alarm. In his book, The Mark of the Christian, Schaefer was addressing an overarching problem among evangelicals when it came to secondary and tertiary matters of the faith and their handling of such things. You know, like what Romans 14 is actually about. But it is pure dishonesty to take what he wrote about that and apply it to the evil of men spread through this pandemic. The article reminded me of the form of Christianity the Lord has spent my entire life delivering me from, namely American Christianity. With all its worship of men, its plastic phoniness, the place they call churches, acting like moose clubs, where you have to check your brain and your brawn, and I would use a different term, but we're in mixed company, where you have to check your brain and your brawn at the door. The churchmen have exposed themselves, and they're trying to hide behind false love and division to cover their nakedness. They have exposed themselves by closing their churches. They have exposed themselves by following all the masking and social distancing and rubbing gooey stuff on your hands. They've exposed themselves by taking the money that the tyrants gave them for doing all that other stuff. Over $14 billion to Christian entities, many churches for closing. They're trying to hide behind their false love, their bogus love assertions, True love, biblical love, doesn't do what the churchmen are doing. If you divorce the ethic of love from Scripture, you can justify anything on the basis of love. Even two men or two women marrying. Even being quiet while evil is being implemented across our nation. You can justify anything under the ethic of love if you divorce the ethic of love from Scripture. 10 to 15% have left, and rightly so, have left their churches, and rightly so, yet these churchmen bemoan it. They're upset because their moose clubs are losing membership. Scott Stewart, who wrote a book entitled Cheap Grace, said this within his work, He said, quote, when 18,000 pastors in Germany signed on to support Adolf Hitler, Dietrich Bonhoeffer rose up and was able to rally 3,000 of them away. And then he says, only 3,000. And then, as the oppression increased, he says, and all of a sudden, those 3,000 churches that stood against Hitler became 2,800, then 2,500, then 1,500, then 1,000, until only a handful stood in the way of a nationalist, socialist agenda that would see innocent people executed in mass, and that included pastors themselves. He goes on to say after his martyrdom, talking about D. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer's martyrdom, and during the time period before the end of the Second World War, 225 sermons from these 3,000 pastors have been found in all of these 225 sermons from the German pulpits during the time of the Nazi Holocaust. Only one contained the name Hitler in it. These were sermons denouncing the evil. 225, only one even named Hitler. That's Scott Stewart from his book, Cheap Grace. Now let me close with these thoughts. Are you still with me? The first thing the churchmen ask you in order to proffer their bogus Romans 14 position is this. Quote, is wearing a mask sin? Is getting a vaccine sin? That's the first thing they ask you. Why do they ask you that? Because once you say no, wearing a mask, simply wearing a mask is not a sin. Getting a shot is not a sin. They immediately, in their pathetic little pietistic minds, take you to Romans 14. To them, you have declared it a Romans 14 issue since it is not a sin issue. It is now a Romans 14 issue. That is the thinking of most all Christians in America because of the pietism taught them by the churchmen, the form of Christianity that they have whored Christians into for decades now and which I'm at war with and I get passionate about. I'm from the east side of Detroit. I'm not going to sit here and nibble cheese and sip some wine and talk at a bland tone while evil's in the land. This is the thinking of most all Christians in America because of the pietism taught them by the churchmen. They only do what is right if they think not to do that or to do that would be sin. So if it is not a sin to wear a mask, then it's okay to wear it. If it's not a sin to get a shot, it's okay to get the shot. Because they only do what is right if they think it would be a sin to do it or not to do it. That is how sad and pathetic it is. And then they bring in a bunch of other verses that don't have anything to do with the situation at hand to browbeat and shame Christians. Scripture is totally taken out of context. I could do a whole other sermon just on those. It's all designed to make you belittle you, make you feel unspiritual, unloving. It's evil to the core. You know why the prophets spoke against the phony religious people of their day? You know why Christ did? Because their evil is so profound and pernicious. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are truth tellers. We don't aid and abet lies. We don't bear false witness and put on a mask in the name of love. No, we show love by telling people the truth. It's a lie. Let me continue on here. So I say because they only do what is right if they think it would be a sin to do it or not to do it. That is how sad and pathetic it is. For example, I have talked with so many churchmen and Christians over the years regarding doing something for the preborn. I never say if you don't do something, you're in sin, nor do I say that you aren't saved unless you do something for the preborn. Yet, the overriding response I get from churchmen and Christians over the decades after appealing to them for us to take action for the preborn is, quote, are you saying I'm in sin if I don't do something for the preborn? 
Or they say, quote, are you saying I'm not saved if I don't do something for the preborn? I never hinted at either of those being the case, never remotely even suggested such a thing in my talk with them, yet that is how they respond. Why? Because they only do what is right if they think not to do that would be sin. Because they only do what is right if they think it would be a sin to do the other. Because they've been taught an awful form of Christianity by their churchmen for decades, and they're easily browbeat by their phony preaching and shamed. When they say, quote, are you saying I am in sin if I don't do something for the preborn, unquote, I respond that I never intimated that you were. But since you bring it up, let me ask you, and this is what I say, is it good to take action on behalf of the helpless preborn? Is it good to take action on behalf of the helpless preborn? They almost always say yes, though I've run into Christians who think their indifference is so large that, no, it's a waste of time. They almost always say yes, and then I say to them this, quote, well, James 4.17 states, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's what I say to them. So I say to you, regarding our current situation, with all the evil of men being proliferated through the pandemic, is it good to expose and denounce evil? Is it good to rebuke the oppressor? Is it good to show love to your neighbor? Is it good to join in a lie, which is what the whole pandemic is built on, lies? Is it sin to bear false witness? And when they say to me, quote, are you saying I'm not saved if I don't do something for the preborn? Again, never suggested such a thing, never intimated such a thing. I respond by saying, no, rather it is precisely because you know Christ that I'm appealing to you to do something on behalf of the preborn. And so you should speak out and take action against this evil against this tyranny being imposed by wicked men. And understand this matter of sin, this thing of, I always obey the government unless they make me personally sin. That's all tied to the bogus Romans 14 view. It's all tied to the pietism and the form of Christianity that we have. This idea that the churchmen have told people that Romans 13 is clear, that you must obey the magistrates, One well-known churchman said, if the governor tells me to put pinwheels on the side of my head to enter a grocery store, I'll put pinwheels on the side of my head. Let me tell you, if the magistrates tell us to do anything that's contrary to the word and law of God, we have a duty to obey God rather than man. Also, if they exceed, clearly exceed their limits for their office as magistrates, like telling someone to put pinwheels on the side of their heads, putting masks on, getting foreign objects put into their body. We have no duty to obey them. Rather, we have a duty to oppose those rogue dogs. These churchmen shame Christians into thinking, no, you got to. On Romans 13, seems pretty clear. You know why so many churchmen wouldn't write any exempt letters? It wasn't because they think people should just take a stand on their conscience and for freedom's sake. No, not at all. 
It's because they think you should go get the shot, that you should wear the mask. That's why they don't write the exempt letters. You know how many scores and scores of people have contacted me from coast to coast to write a letter for them because their pastor won't do it. And you know where I stand on that, right? I'm bothered to some extent writing them. It shouldn't have to be done. They're building a two-tiered system of the vaxxed and unvaxxed. Am I any bad? But at the same time, I'm looking in the faces of people who are trying to provide for their families and homes. It's a wicked, wicked thing that they're doing. But these guys don't do it for any noble reasons. They do it because they think you should just roll up your sleeve and get it. Clara talked about this in her writings. She said, all this ties to Romans 13. It is this whole thing of personally sinning. And here's what I say about that, and then I'll get to Clara's thing. Here's the deal. That isn't the standard. The standard is not we obey the civil authorities unless we have to personally sin. It's never been the standard. The standard is, is the state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands. We obey God rather than the state. We obey God rather than the man. That's the standard. This whole idea of personally sinning has never been the standard. When Paul knew that the governor wanted to arrest him, when he talks about that in 2 Corinthians 11, when Paul knew that the governor wanted to arrest him, but instead he craftily fled down the side of a wall in a basket to escape the governor, didn't submit to the authorities, like these churchmen say, oh, you always... He wasn't running because he had to personally sin. You do understand that, right? When Corey Ten Boom, look at her. Was she told that she had to put a Jew in a death camp? Was she told that she had to misuse a Jew? No, but she helped Jews escape, right? She didn't have to personally sin. She didn't have to harm a Jew, did she? Yet she violated all the civil laws and hid them and, of course, suffered the consequences at the hands of the state for her faithfulness to Christ. The abolitionists from 170 years ago, did they have to own a slave? Did they have to whip a slave, mistreat a slave? No, they didn't have to personally sin, yet many Christians helped slaves escape on the Underground Railroad and make it to freedom, didn't they? This whole nonsense about, unless I have to personally sin, I always obey the magistrates, is garbage. It is not what has been taught down through the centuries. Clara wrote, even if they, talking about the tyrants, shut down the churches, they want you to submit. Talking about the churchmen, want you to submit. Even if they make everyone wear masks and distance, they want you to submit. Even if they say you can't travel unless you're vaccinated, tested, or masked, they want you to submit. Even when they lock everyone down, they want you to submit. Even when they experiment on us with so-called vaccines, they want you to submit. So let me close with this. Do not let the churchmen shame you. They are whores. Sold out long ago. No fealty to Christ. Aiding evil men in their evil schemes. The prophets of old spoke against such false prophets and religious pretenders, and Christian men have spoken against such wolves in sheep's clothing, such hirelings, And so must we. May Christ be praised. Stand up and close in prayer.
Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Father. Lord, you see how it grieves our hearts to see the churchmen twist your word to aid and abet evil, to shame those who love you. God, our hearts are grieved, broken. We read about these kind of things, Lord, and now we see them right before us. God, bring repentance to your people. Bring repentance to me. Lord, we look to you, O Lord, to do a work here in this nation to build something even in the midst of the destruction and evil. We see you building things now. Lord, build great things. Use your judgment to bring low what needs to be brought down. Use your judgment to plant and to build for what needs to be brought up. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. May we live faithful and true to you in the days ahead. You see the blindness of men, how they think they can go along to get along, how they think they can appease a tyrant. Blind to your word, blind to the history of men, the governments of men. But in the midst of it all, Lord, Let us keep saying what needs to be said. Even if they don't want to hear it and they just want to hear smooth things. Something the church in America has been drunk on for decades and now we're reaping the whirlwind for it. Build within each one, O Lord, a deep hunger for you. Help each man here to be a priest to his home to open your word to his wife and to his children, to enjoy you, to sit and talk about the things of you. Discipling those within our very homes is so needed and yet has been so abandoned by the vast majority of Christian men. Grip the hearts of the men who love you, O God. May they see their duty as priests to their homes regarding this matter in this hour, in these days. May they do right by you in that regard, I pray. Keep our hearts humble before you, low to the ground, O God, utterly dependent upon you, for you are the vine and we are the mere branches. We can do nothing without you. We look to you, O Lord. Strengthen us in heart. Strengthen us in mind. Strengthen us in body, O Lord. Father, it was even Christ himself who said the hearts of men will fail. Lord, may we draw close to you in these days. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. May we be men and women of prayer and action in these days. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.